Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Born Chris Jackson, the Mississippi native would star in basketball in high school, becoming a McDonald's All-American. He would go on to star at LSU, where he played with Shaquille O'Neal. Jackson became an All-American and the third pick of the 1990 NBA Draft. He played for nine seasons with three teams in the NBA, and averaged almost 15 points per game. In spite of playing with Tourette Syndrome, he was on track to be a perennial star. But his career would be derailed by a number of events. In 1991, he converted to Islam, and two years later, he changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. In 1996, he refused to stand for the Star Spangled Banner before games, saying the American flag was a symbol of oppression and tyranny. The NBA would soon suspend Abdul Rauf, and from that point on, his career would never be the same, and was cut short. His journey is chronicled in the new documentary, Stand, streaming now on Showtime. With all that occurred with the NBA, man, because I, I thought about putting myself in your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Because those of us who've loved basketball for a long time understand the short shrift you get, frankly. Mm -hmm. If you look at your numbers and look at all of the things, when they talk about guards, they're not throwing your name out there when they should, quite frankly. just This is numbers across the board. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have to fight bitterness? Of course. I I was bitter for a long time. Uh, You know, when you put so much work in and... You really, you pride yourself because you were raised to be respectful, to be courteous, to be fair. And, you know, you you make a decision that makes people uncomfortable. 
And because of that decision, you know, they treat you differently. Your career uh, dissipates. Uh, and not because you said anything that was inaccurate. It's because they just didn't like it. Yeah, you, you, you become bitter because you, you affect a person's livelihood. And, and as African Americans, we don't have generational wealth. And a lot of us, we give our life. And I'm not saying, you know, our environment has a way of molding and shaping us. So, you know, if, you, if, if I grew up in an environment where, hey, man, my mother, she had this type of education. and We didn't grow up with, you know, being taught critical thinking skills and problem solving and, and the conditioning that takes place in society with a lot of us, too, the imagery and stuff, man. And, and to think, to, to, to shrink and to disappear. You know, uh, uh, so we spend so much time becoming, absorbing ourselves with trying to hone our skills. And then now we make it. We don't, again, because we don't have generational wealth, not only are we responsible of taking care of just our immediate family, and we got to take care of a whole bunch of other families. And we're, and we're lacking those other skills of investing and stuff like that. And you take that away. Uh, you affect not only that person, you affect families. So it took, man, it took a, it took a while for me uh, to grapple with, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm still bitter, mm. but I'm, I've always prided myself on, how do I say this? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being angry, with being bitter about what's worth being bitter and angry about. <laughs> but I, it doesn't paralyze me though. Right. Right. You know, and so I've never been a person where I've been paralyzed by it. But if if you did something to me for slavery and we haven't been compensated and you still are doing the same old things. Right. And the same pattern exists. No, I'm going. No, justice hasn't been served. And then you're still doing it to others. No, you haven't learned your lesson. So, yeah, I'm bitter about that. I, but I, I, Yeah. No, I was just going to say I did a commentary a few months back about the the tag of an angry black man or angry angry black woman, and I say, you know what? Yeah, I'm angry, and I got a right to be. I don't always throw that away. You know, people say I don't want to be seen as angry black man, but sometimes I want to be seen as the angry black man. That's right, Dale. Because I'm angry, Dale Brown. Before I even knew it was him, I I love him, you know. But we had our differences. We should note your coach in college. Yep, yep, Dale Brown, my coach in college. He uh, and I didn't know it was him for the longest. He would send me emails. And sometimes and I told him this some time ago. Uh, I said, man, you would send me emails and they came off as like anti-Islamic. Right. And I didn't know it was you for a while until one day he said something about you sound like an angry black man. I said, you make it sound like angry is always bad. I said, if it wasn't for anger, we wouldn't defend ourselves. God gave us anger, sadness, happiness. He gave us these emotions to use appropriately, right? And, and then, so we start going on a tangent with each other. And he was talking about spiritualism. I said, well, some people say spiritual, you know, as a euphemism for athe being atheist. And so we just had a dialogue, right? I said, hold on, man. I said, is this the Dale Brown of LSU? He said, yes. I said, I've been having this dialogue. But he, yeah. he with the angry black man, too. And that was my response to him. Like, look, it's, we, we, if you have a right to be angry, Look, don't hide it. You know, you, you, people need to know when you when you don't express yourself, people will never know your pain. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so no, I want you to know that you you did something to me that I don't like. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and they want to pacify us, you know, with love and love and don't do that. No, 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 man. You got a right to be angry. I agree with you. Hollywood and history books always want to paint America as a tolerant nation. It is tolerant at times. Mm-hmm. It is an intolerant nation more often than America wants to admit. I'm curious for you. I think about all of the things that America saw, white America in particular, saw as intolerant as relates to you. So here's a guy. We loved him as Chris Jackson, but he done changed his name now. And he wanted them Muslims. Mm-hmm. Here's a man who had to deal with Tourette's in public in a way that was put on a stage much larger and far before anyone even knew what Tourette's was. Mm -hmm. Here was a black man who was not afraid to speak up and say what his beliefs and thinking were, bucking a system that wants you to stay in line. Mm -hmm. When you look at all of these things, which one was hardest for you to deal with? You know what? That's a that's a great question. It's never been asked. But if I'm shooting for an answer right now, uh, I would say it is the it is the feeling that I don't have a right to disagree and to look down on the oppressiveness or the oppression that America is causing. Mm-hmm. That you don't just because you have reached this plateau of fame and wealth, and now we've allowed you, you know, to be in this country club environment, <laughs> you know, how dare you feel that you have that type of right to speak out as if though I'm supposed to forget about where I came from. You know, it's like we are taught, you know, and I believe this, we are taught to look at our wounds as nothing compared to the depth of gratitude of being in America, but America wouldn't be anywhere without us, mm-hmm. right? And so you hear this thing, well, it's America that gave you this. Well, hold on, let's, 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 let's follow that logic a little further. You've had 350 something years of, of free labor. You've had, you've had also those same amount of years of not paying taxes on that labor. You've been able to accrue generational wealth. You know, so we are owed a major, you know, you have as a major debt owed to us. And you want to talk about what America has done for me, done for us. Not. And so it's amazing when. So to me, that was the greatest insult. It's like. Again, how dare you? But also this is a this is a person that we lost because he changed his name. Right. We lost him. We don't have him no more. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a great, that's also a great offense to them as well. And this is, I think, one of the most dangerous things is when you deny a person a history of their culture and who they are because you become susceptible to someone else's interpretation of who you are. And they don't always have your best interest, which mm-hmm. history has shown us. So this was the one that burned me up more as I began to read. I'm like, wow, but the arrogance, mm-hmm. you know, of people, you know, to take that position. And so that made me go hard. You know, that made me go harder. There's a certain freedom that one has once they cross the street, right? So once you decided, you know what, do what you will, but I'm I'm staying here. Yeah. Talk to me about the day you you re, you gave yourself that freedom, 
and how that changed the dynamic for you. Because it's like anything else. I tell people all the time, the thing that you're most afraid of, it's the anticipation, frankly, that is far worse than the actuality. I agree. I agree. I can't pick the day, but I can pick the moment when my, my mind began to shift. And that's when Dale Brown, my coach at LSU, gave me the autobiography of Malcolm. Mm-hmm. I began to read about his life, man, just how his mind worked, how he deal with rhetoric, analogies, you know, just the courage that he had. I'm like, man, I didn't have it because growing up in the South, you know, your mm-hmm. environment shapes and molds you, right? Seeing how your family and people around you interact with whiteness mm-hmm. you began to do the same thing, right? And, and be silent over things you shouldn't be silent about. And he was just the opposite. But I'm like, man, I want that. And so I began, as a result, I ended up becoming Muslim. I began to read like I've never read before in my life. And my the, the, the height of my education came on the road. I would meet people. We'd stay up two, three, four o'clock in the morning. They have different uh, disciplines. Some would be great in uh, uh, social sciences or politics or religion. And we'd talk and they'd introduce me books, uh, introduce to me books that I'd never heard about, authors I'd never heard about. The Gnomes, the Howard Zins, the Kwanzaa Kunjufus, the Amos N. Wilsons. I mean, you name it. So I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm soaking in, and I'm learning about things globally. And I'm, wow, I've never heard of this. I'm reading The Prince of Slaves. You know, I'm reading everything. And that's when it began to dawn on me. I said, man, I, I felt I've been cheated. And I didn't like the way that felt. And I got mad because I'm looking at my history. I'm like, wow, man, I. I put all my life into the game. And I didn't know statistically I had a better chance of becoming a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, all of these, all of the greatness, like we were taught Africa was this, but then I'm looking at Timbuktu before West, the West had universities and books were the number one commodity. They had street lights, they had civilization. And now I'm I'm literally feeling the weight of the insult that America has has given to me. And that I just couldn't sit still. I like, man, you know, Waldo Emerson said, wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. You can't run. So I couldn't run. I'm like, I can't pretend no more. And so that's when things began to shift for me. And I said, I got to start taking steps toward learning how to say no, learning how to stand up. And the more you do it, the more you practice, the better it gets. Like you said, the worst thing is the anticipation, but the, mm-hmm. it's, it's usually less than what you thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. And 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 I decided at that moment, I said, I'm not going to allow my enemies to outmaneuver my destiny. You know what I mean? Wow. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there is no difference, but if there is, what's the biggest difference in Chris Jackson and uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf? Is there a difference? Yes. Uh, the biggest difference is Chris Jackson tried to stay away from conflict. You know, he, he, he didn't want to raise his hands in class to ask questions, and he didn't want someone to point him out to answer them. He just, he, 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 he believed in God. He prayed. He believed in courtesy and kindness, all of those things. But he was non-confrontational, right? He had an inferiority complex. He looked at himself academically as being inadequate. I no longer look at, look at it that way. You know, I own, I, I, I look at, you know, look, man, I'm, you know, we can go to the highest of the high, high 
or we can demote ourselves to the lowest of the low. It's our choice. Mm-hmm. So when I look at look at it now, I'm like, look, man, God gives me a mind. He gives me abilities like he gives you know all of us different stuff. But it's up to me to utilize and I plan on utilizing every last bit of it. I'm not going to apologize. And I was living a life. You know, a lot of us are taught to walk this earth in a constant state of apologizing. We apologize for being black, apologize for being smart, apologize for being rich. I apologize for walking by you. I apologize for saying you hurt me. You just hit me. But I apologize for expressing to you that you hurt me. I will not live my life as an apology. This is the Mahmoud. That mm-hmm. didn't exist when I was Chris Jackson. You know, time, uh, often I tell people, it's the time you're in that determines outcome often. You know, mm-hmm. so I think about when you decided to, uh, and we'll steal the title of the documentary, Stand. When you decided to stand and then literally just bow uh, your head during the national anthem as a means of protest. I'm, I'm wondering how you saw the difference in media coverage and how America and how white America in particular, but even, even those in black America at that time viewed you, the issue, the circumstance, and juxtapose that to what Colin Kaepernick went through. What were the differences you saw? Well, um, Definitely with, with white America, it, it was more of an attack, a condemnation. Uh, who, who did this guy think he is trying to brand me as being ignorant, unaware of, of the circumstances and what America is really about? You had, did you have some of that in black America? Of course, you're going to always have that. But I think more so, depending on the publications, uh, because we look as black people. We share similar experiences. Mm-hmm. You can't outclass racism. I don't care if you're a doctor, lawyer, mm-hmm. we all feel it. <laughs> and so I think more so in the black commentary, it was less of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more support than by far the white commentary. As it pertains to Kaepernick, um, I think you asked the difference. Um, it, it, and there were so many similarities, you know. I received a lot of death threats. I received hate mail, but I also received just as much, if not more, support mail. Christians, Jews, women, men, white, black, atheists, saying, "Man, uh, we believe, we 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 follow you, we support you, we 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 agree with you." And they start breaking down history, right, in those letters. But the difference is that we didn't have social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in, in his day and age, people can get online. And one of the examples, I, which is powerful, one of the examples I use is when the football player, Abdullah, went into the end zone, he went into prostration. The NFL immediately said, we're going to find him, suspend him. People got on social media and said, what about Tebow? Mm-hmm. And they had to pull back. But Tebow doing, he praying, mm-hmm. he doing all that stuff, right? So that was the game changer with Kaepernick because now you can, you can see the overwhelming support Unlike my time, the media was probably receiving the same, but they can choose to control the narrative more and hold that information back. And let's just focus on this right here. It was, it's interesting because the note I have here to ask you about is just that, you know, in a real sense, had the NBA allowed you to quietly see this is what people miss in the beginning. You make a big deal of it. 
You were very quiet in the beginning with the protest. The yeah. media exploded it. The media exploded it. That's right. Um, which, caused, which caused the NBA, they were forced to do something. But the NBA also probably knew. They have personnel sitting in. Look, man, the NBA, they were going to suspend me. The guy that finds people, right? But they have people that watch to see what mm -hmm. you're not doing. And, and they're trying to find reasons to find you. They were going to find me $1,000 per sock because the NBA emblem wasn't being shown. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me four months prior to the next season, I'm mm -hmm. on the sideline. You got your security. You got all these people in the NBA. And you don't see me not standing? Because why? The NBA didn't see no big deal. They made it a big deal because the media made it a big deal. Mm -hmm. So now you want to brand instead of protecting me, you want you you want to you, you want to condemn me for it without. And so it, it, to me, that was it was very hypocritical for them to do that. The vitriol against Abdul Rauf was real beyond regular death threats. He's lost millions. His home was burned to the ground and ultimately he lost his basketball career. When we talk about what you went through, it, it you know, sometimes people say, oh, I received death threats, and those that don't receive them don't know how frightening and real that can be when you receive them. They burned your house down, a mm -hmm. house that you had built. And, 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 you know, this was real, and yet the conviction stayed the same. Was that simply faith? Was that how you were raised? What was that that kept you to say, I'm not going to waver. Man, I'm glad you asked that. You know, we're taught in Islam to contemplate death every day, not in a morbid type of way. Yeah. It says that death brings you closer to God because we all we, we all going to leave here. And so death is also, we believe, you know, we're taught not to fear none, nothing or no one but God. Death is a creation. They say death, when it served its purpose, it will die. Mm -hmm. So we're not to fear that. So I think about just like the game, I would imagine scenarios and opponents touching hand in the face. And it gets to the point where you train so much. And, and even when nobody's out there, you, you feel in the tension and you going through two, three different invisible people. You begin to see two, three moves ahead and you the game becomes easier. So for me, literally, yeah, I knew it was serious. But because I think of death all the day and I, you know, I, I ponder it, rationalize it, and, and I know it exists, not to fear it, I literally, that didn't even phase me. Because we're also taught that whatever God has for me, nobody can keep it from me. And whatever he don't want me to have, nobody can give it to me. You can't rush nor de delay the time that's allotted for you. People say, well, what about people who commit suicide? There are more people statistically trying to commit suicide that fail than those who succeed because it ain't their time. Mm -hmm, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm constantly having this dialogue. So when this stuff is happening, I was like, look, man, it is what it is. I'm not going to bend. You know, if it's my time, it's my time. So because I'm rest, I'm, I'm having these conversations, talking to myself, it, it gave me strength to continue because I'm, I don't fear that. And I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm this tough. Like, no, no, no. I'm not saying not to fear. Right. A healthy element of fear is good because it keeps you cautious. It helps you to protect yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. You know, but I'm talking about this unhealthy to where it paralyzes you. Yeah, you I was cautious now, 
I'm 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 looking around. I'm I'm having my protection. I'm mm-hmm. doing all of that, but it's not going to paralyze me to where I'm going to be silent. Right? I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to move around with my no, no. God is in control. So that helped me and still does. Let, let's get to the basketball side of your life again. As I mentioned to you earlier when we started, I I think because of all that happened, people forget or never learned about if they were too young, the sheer talent you were and the shooter you were, you know, listen, there are a list of cats that were just shooters, period. Yeah. You know, and we can tick them off. We know them. Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, you know, uh, Steph Curry, obviously. I mean, we can go down the list and often because of what happened, your name does not make it in that list in the media. But those of us who know the game, followed the game, watch the game, Understand that you're in that list of cats. Uh, your third pick in the 90 NBA draft uh, behind, I think, uh, Coleman, Derek, a buddy of mine, and, and Gary Payton. So talk to me about draft day for you, because uh, for everybody, when you, you know, that's, that's a, a dream fulfilled. Talk to me about that first. I mean, draft day, man, I was nervous. Uh, you know, it was a huge step. Uh, you heard, okay, you, you're going in between one and five, <laughs> more so leaning closer to five. Uh, you're thinking about all those years, man, of putting in that work. But also, there was this unhealthy, man, sense of fear. You know, because now, you know, we've been conditioned, like I said, uh, uh I, I can't help but say this, and I say it all the time, our environment, the language, things that we see, the things that we hear, it, 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 it influences us. And so I could never truly embrace success because I was always looking over my shoulder, man, this is too good to be true. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it didn't take, it took years later when I started analyzing what did I grew up listening to and hearing all the time, right? And one of the shows, two shows that I used to look at religiously was Sanford and Son and Good Time. <laughs> and I started saying, well, you know, they live in the same similar socioeconomic backgrounds mm-hmm. that we live in. But every day we were hoping that they make it out the ghetto because if they make it out, we feel like we make it out. Mm-hmm. But every day it seemed like when they were close to making it, something would happen to kick them right back in. Mm-hmm. And I started saying, darn, this is where a lot of this is coming from. Mm-hmm. I got to change. I got to change what I consume. And so I couldn't answer your question. I was happy. But I was scared. I didn't want to get on no plane. I was like, man, I got to sign this deal. Man, please, God, don't let this plane crash. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I want to take care of my mom. I want to take care of my family. I want to help people. So it was a mixture of emotions going through that draft day uh, that I was wrestling with. But I was, man, I'm so happy. And then you, now you got to be a grown man. Now you got to go to a new city. And so these are the, sometimes people don't think, they say, oh, it's just a great, man, I got to go to New City. I got to, mm-hmm. I ain't never paid no bills. I got to find a house. I got to learn how to really be a grown up now, <laughs> you know? And so it was these, I couldn't really enjoy it because these things were just, you know, being, they were overwhelming to me at the time. Each step of the ladder for an athlete is a proof, whether you believe it or not. Some, some go in, walking in, believing they're, they have the talent to be there, and some are unsure until they get there. Mm-hmm. LSU 
it almost comes quicker, I think, than you imagine to know that you belong there. And, and, and look, I got game for this level. Yeah. What was it in the NBA? Was it as quick? No, in the NBA, it wasn't as quick. And a lot of it was my fault. Uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that first year or so, most of it was my fault. Because mm-hmm. I was listening to the wrong people. They were saying you need to be bulky. I never had a trainer in my life. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so I started eating. But my workouts didn't match my eating because I was too busy. I was too busy trying to gain. Not thinking like, man, I just left LSU. The guys that make it to pro are the ones that's leaving college with similar bodies. Mm-hmm. Right? But I ended up, I was like 19% body fat. Mm-hmm. And then you have Paul Westhead with a running style. <laughs> And so even though I still felt that with that style, given the opportunity to be, I mean, I what numbers are padded when you have a running running team. Mm-hmm. So 14 points ain't really, you know. 14 points. <laughs> it ain't really 14 yeah. Points. But uh, it was more so me. That's why I didn't come as fast. If I would have came in the shape, which I eventually got into, mm-hmm. because even at that weight, I had my moments where I could, I just couldn't get to my spot as quick, but I can still get my shot. I can make my shot. Um, and so it took me my third year, I believe. Uh, and and actually that second year, I began to lose weight and show promise. But Paul Westhead was still playing with my minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he really wanted me there because Doug Moe was the one that drafted for me. They fired him and brought in Paul. And then that third year is when Dan Issel came and I lost a total of Counting from when Ramadan started to the next year, I lost 40 pounds. Mm. I came back at my high school weight and I listened to me then. I ain't listened to them. Then now they were telling me I was too small. Mm-hmm. I said, I heard the first one. I'm going to follow me. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I came and I, I, I got most improved. So it took me that kind of midway through that second to that third year to say, okay, enough is enough. You know what people miss often in, in elite athletes is the work ethic. Yeah. Right. I heard you talk about how Tourette's, having Tourette's, and and clearly talking to you now, I've been watching all the interviews you're doing, people don't realize where you were when you were playing with Tourette's in terms of Twitch and all that you were going. I mean, it was heavy then, right? So you have that. You have the idea of a work ethic that most cats that sit on the couch and say, I don't know why he missing that free throw. I don't know why he can't catch that. And I tell them, Negro, you wouldn't even caught the ball. You wouldn't have caught up to the ball. You wouldn't, you know, it's easy from the couch, right? So I I heard you talk about somebody like who you played with Shaq Mm -hmm. and just a supreme specimen of a man Mm -hmm. and athletic and all the things who was willing to work and somebody like Stanley Roberts, who most people won't remember, who maybe had more just ability and raw talent who wouldn't have to work at it, which hurts you because you feel like you don't have to work at it. That's right. What did you do to make sure that you worked at it? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, one of them is just how naturally Tourette's pushes you itself. Like mentally, it's like mind and body on two different wavelengths. You know, if it's something, especially if it's something you value, it's like it, 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 it's another person that's influencing you. And if you don't do what it says do, it's going to bother you the rest of the day. And it's going to, it, it's going to increase your, your tics and your symptoms. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is I grew up always 
you know, my grandmother, aunt, and uncle always, you know, taught me the value of, yeah, believe in God, but don't take anything for granted. As quick as God give it to you, he can take it away from you. Mm-hmm. So I never allowed myself to get comfortable. Oh, no, I never allowed myself to become complacent, right? And I think there's a fine line between comfort and complacency mm-hmm. or confidence and cockiness. Mm-hmm. And so I always, always told myself, I don't care if I score 50, never get complacent. There's always room for improvement. Like every time something happened, I'm sending messages back to myself daily. Right. And I'm always creating, creating uh, motivators. Right. I'm thinking about my mom. I'm thinking about an opponent that I may have to meet someday that's tall, that's fast, that's stocky, that's strong. I'm thinking about helping people someday. So someday my mom, the idea of my mom ain't strong enough. I got to pull from this motivator. Mm -hmm. I'm always having dialogue with myself, telling myself, you know, uh, I want to be the best to play, but also never be complacent. There's always room for improvement. Never be complacent. There's always room for improvement, no matter what happens, to keep me grounded, to keep me humble and hungry, humble and hungry all the way through. And then always trying to, but if, if whatever I do, I'm always trying to make my workouts harder. If I if they go in all net, now I want them to come back to me. <laughs> they, right. Then I want them to go off the glass and go in. Right. Then I want them to go off the glass all net. And I'm talking about full speed and no glitches in the move or you got to go back to zero. And, and, and it's like near-death experience almost every day. And so it's a combination of the Tourette's, but also the way I was raised to think. You know, never get complacent. Always feel there's room for improvement. And that kept me balanced. One would talk to you now and never know you ever were afflicted as you were back in the day. What what did you do? What have you done to control it? Man, well, I, 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 I'm controlling it better. But it's, look, from the moment I wake up, like you see me now, you might see me mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. I've, I've managed to be able to camouflage it. Mm-hmm. But I, may, I may do something like this and it look like I'm stretching, but that's mm-hmm. a tip. Mm-hmm. I might, mm-hmm. like I'm. My body's sore, I'm twi- but that's mm-hmm. a tick. Ninety-seven percent of the time, almost a hundred, it's a tick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've learned to like do it slower, but it's still strong as opposed to growing. Mm-hmm. I like. I've learned how to slow it down, but I tr- I try to pray. I mean, I'm, I'm big on prayer. I'm big on trying to watch what I eat and how much I eat because I've noticed how certain food it'll 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 increase my heart rate, which will also you know, increase my symptoms. Yeah. I try to get, I, I'm a, I'm a nap taker, but also I try to stay also away from negative stress. So all of those things <laughs> I try to incorporate in my life. Yeah. And that's been working for me. All right. Last two questions, brother. And this is uh, one that I always love to ask athletes, not the best player you ever saw. Who's the best player you played against? You had to guard, you had to guard you. Rod, Period. big Rod, huh? Man, Rod was even though Rod another underrated cat. Like pros will tell you, Rod Strickland a lot. Rod Strickland was one of those two. He was one of those guys. He may not have been taking a lot of political stand, but Rod was a man's man. He's mm. gonna if he if he want if he don't agree with something, he don't agree with. It. If he agree with, he agree with. It. They ain't like that. He should have made. He should have been a perennial All Star. Yeah, I mean, but he. It wasn't because he was prolific with his shot. Like, 
free throw line extended, he could make that. But he was he herky jerk. Yeah. In his right, left. Yeah. Keep it off bounce. We had great bouts with each other, but he was just one of those guys. He was just crafty. That how they say in fighting styles mm-hmm. make fighting. Mm-hmm. You can have a champion that's whipping everybody. He get with somebody else. It's like the dude been losing, but but somehow he can't beat him. Rod was just he was. I say this. I've been saying this for years. I ain't let you finish. Yeah, Rod. you were quick to say it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting, man. Rod again would not be a a guy that the media or yeah. a lot of people would immediately say, but pros I talk to will quickly say, who's one of the baddest guards you ever, boom, yeah. period, period. Yeah. All, offense and defense. And yeah. like you said, crafty, everything. I'm going to get this rebound. Well, yeah. he ain't that big. Well, yeah, I'm going to get this rebound. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, all right, I got to ask you the the, the favorite uh, barbershop question. Okay. And that is coming out of LeBron taking the, the scoring title. Yeah. Who, who is your goat? I, I don't. I don't even really like the the title because I, I I I tell people look, it's errors for me. It's errors, right? It's errors. But let's let's play the game anyway. Okay. So for me, as much as I admire LeBron, for as much as I think that in in his totality, on and off the court, I might have to nod him. But for a cat my age to watch Michael and what he did, it's hard for me to put anybody above him. For you, where, where do you sit with that discussion? I'm going to go even a little further. And I and I think people feel, forget about Wilt myself, but well, I'm gonna go even. I'm gonna go another angle now. <laughs> and I wouldn't. I, I I would give. I would give even over LeBron. It it ain't just a, you know, because Michael didn't play those years either. But it ain't just a point thing. I would give the nod, before I tell you this other person, I would give the nod out of those two to Jordan too, mm-hmm. you know, when I look at it. But I'm going to tell you another person, when you look at from high school all the way up, has been a winner. The one he just broke, his scoring record. The championships yeah, all throughout. The yes, number, you know, I'm like, you know, so if you want to look at across the board numbers, winning, I'm going to say Kareem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his game wasn't a game that a lot of children want to emulate. But if we just looking at stats and numbers right. and winning, you got to give it to Kareem. Right. Yeah, but if you want to look at affecting the stock market, you <laughs> right. want to right. look at getting right. it done. Now, he ain't got as many championships. He, ain't, he didn't score as many. You're going to go for Jordan. Yeah. And there's a lot of that that comes into play. Like the easy thing is to to compare numbers. Yeah, but yeah. to your point, I always say Wilt's downfall was he didn't win championships in the way that Bill Russell won them or the way that Michael won. But when you talk about just sheer, and when people say to me, well, he was playing little dudes. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He was playing dudes of his era. Nate Thurman won the, you know, don't get me started, man. So <laughs> I'm with you. And I say the same thing, man. It's errors. It's yeah. errors. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's always a, but I, I'm with you on, I'm with you on all three of those. But it all when I look at the whole thing, yeah. and again his, his his game, I don't want to emulate, but I'd have to look at Kareem. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, and I don't I ain't look at Wilts as in compared to Jordans, but definitely I'd have to put Jordan above LeBron. And I get this when I go on speaking engagements, man. Younger people, ah, I say, listen, man, let me. 
You think what you want, but this is right. my state. And, and I said, now, if, if, if somebody I want to play with, I'm going to yeah. play with LeBron because he's going to pass me the rock. Right. That he's going to give up that rock. <laughs> right. Where Mike ain't get, look, Mike gave it up twice. Like in his whole career. Exactly. We're going to have problems because I want to speak too. But he hasn't given up basketball altogether. He plays in the Big Three League. Founded by rapper Ice Cube, the three-on-three league consists of former NBA and international players. I'm curious, you know, when I think about your career, it, I, I sometimes think about that cliche line about the girl that got away. Right. So I think at some level, you must have had that feeling about basketball. They took these years from me. You know, they took. So was that part of of why you decided to let me let me jump in this league? That that was definitely a part of it. Um, I, I, I work out. Every, I work out pretty much every day. There are days, you know, I don't. But 90 some percent of the time I'm working out and a lot of times twice a day. So I, I stay in shape. But I just wanted to. and then. Most of them are going to be younger. I've never played again. So it's that competitiveness, like, you know what? I want to go in and just see at this age, and they're much younger, to, see, to, to you know, measure the speed, get into spots. And I'm like, darn. Because if I can score and get to my spots and you're much younger, and I would play with them sometimes, I'd say, hey, man, you know, if we play with each other and and I, I score 20 and you score 10 or 12, you look bad. <laughs> I said, if, if you score 25 and I score 20 or, or uh, 22, you look bad. Mm-hmm. I said, if you score 25 and I score eight, they're going to say the man 50 some years old. <laughs> I said, so you got everything to lose. Right, right, right. So they like thinking they're trying hard. But a part of it was, man, I just, I just wanted to come out and just measure at this age and with the new generation you know, what I could do. And also in in my own little way, like to try to send a message, like if I'm doing this at this age, you know, and, and I get to my spots, imagine how quick I was then. And imagine if those years wasn't taken. Yeah. Right. To kind of, you know, and so I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, I'm grateful, man, to uh, Ice Cube. I tell him every time I see him, man, thank you so much. This league has been a blessing for so many players. And uh, it upsets me because he doesn't get the, the yeah. coverage, and a lot of it is because I believe who he is. But right. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely indebted to him, man. I think it was a great thing. Hey, man, I appreciate the time, but and and happy for the the documentary stand on Showtime. But let me say to you, you know, I appreciate anybody who stands in a resolve. You know, I think about Ali and and losing years of a career and all, but but staying in that breach and and i salute you for that man thank you it means a lot to me i really do and i appreciate you uh sacrificing this time and allowing me to come on i didn't even it didn't even register who you were until i saw your face I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so i remember and i, I appreciate that brother definitely man. it's nice seeing you good to see you man again the documentary stand is streaming now on Showtime. One Hundred is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. 
Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.